Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York. Boca Raton, Florida. You are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 56. Ben, we're approaching what I like to call here in uh, the Northeast um, half of fall because we really only get about half of it. It's uh, 50s and rainy here today, but uh, sunny Florida, I'm sure you guys are probably still rocking about 80 degrees, loving life. Yeah, high 80s, low 90s still, but hey. (laughs) What I'm looking for turning the corner is just the humidity to break a little bit. My wife and I were sitting out on the back patio the other night on our deck, and I was like, hey, you know what? I was like, it's been an hour, and we're still sitting out here, which means it's almost fall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, one thing that we do have up here that you don't right now is a 3-0 football team, although your Steelers are actually – are they 3-0 right now? Are they They 2-0? 3-0, yeah. Okay. All right. So you and I can both share in that Florida though. I don't believe has a three, no team because uh, yeah. They don't. Yeah. Tom Brady's two and one though right now with Tampa Bay. Um, but I think bills are bills are power ranked like number five or six right now. Just looking on fire. Josh Allen throwing three straight games over 300 yards, putting up just massive offensive yardage, but um Elsewhere around the the the, uh, the realm of sports, I mean, baseball is now in the postseason. Oh, Tampa Bay won the uh, Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. What was it yesterday? Caught in Stan- there? I, yeah, re- just the other day. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Stanley Cup's over. So, hockey's done. Really crazy to see hockey go this late. Because usually about this time of year is when they're getting started. You know what I mean? It's just very strange. Yeah. And it was weird. Like, I just caught it on, you know, the wrap-up on SportsCenter, and it was, like, almost eerie. They were all celebrating, but there was nobody there, and it was just kind of, I don't know, surreal kind of watching them celebrate the Stanley Cup just kind of by themselves. (laughs) Yep. Very weird. But it is what it is. So, uh, Buffalo's taking on – the Buffalo Bills are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders this Sunday at 4.30 Eastern time because that's a West Coast – game so i'm gonna be doing a nice little sunday afternoon uh fiesta at my place i'm excited for it what else we got in the the world of sports i mean that's that's pretty good yeah and that's pretty much it i mean i haven't i know steelers are playing the titans this sunday one o'clock game that's gold they're both undefeated right now too so i think that's that's gonna be good yeah three no versus three no yeah, they've been looking pretty good. I mean, other than that, that's pretty much about it. I mean, I don't even know that there is a golf tournament on this week. Um, yeah. I don't know. Sweet, man. Looking forward to it. End of September, rolling into October here. The uh, big news for us, we have a new name. We got a facelift. We did. Rebranding. 360. So anybody out there, if you've been taking a look, if you are looking for us or taking a look at Spotify and you notice that our brand or, you know, that the icons have changed, same content, all the same episodes were still up there, but we've rebranded to Freight 360. So you'll see our new logos, new logos up on LinkedIn, new logos up on Facebook. If you've got a minute, stop in, like our pages, check it out and share them with somebody else in your office. Absolutely. So we, we, we wanted to kind of, there's a couple of reasons that we did this. So number one, obviously the, we, we're not just solely freight broker 
focused and we've seen our discussions expand into the supplier 3PL carrier um, atmosphere. So we didn't want to just limit ourselves, not to mention that there is intellectual property from my previous employer that we didn't want to get in a legal battle with. So we're just going to, we're going to play nice and move on. So yeah. And aside from that, and you know, the more we were doing this, I, I think we've had some, we did some great episodes with Crowley looking forward to do our third one with them as well. And as well as that one, you know, you and I talked about also wanting to bring some shippers in some of the other people on the other side of the table, shed some light on the things that as it looks like from their point of view, same issues, same problems, different point of view, felt this was a more encompassing title and will really be more inclusive as we kind of try to shed some more light on all the different areas of the industry. There you go. We got the full 360 approach, right? 360. So cool. Cool. So that's it. We're um, yeah. Like you said, the, the branding's all getting, getting updated and I love the color schemes too. And that was a, uh, that was a, a combined effort of you and I back and forth. Just, you know, do we like this shade, that shade? And I'm really it, happy with it. I've, no, like I've never gone out. through that before. It was, it was interesting. It was interesting to go through that process, but learn something by it. So, and endless possibilities. So um, what do you got? You look like you're about to say something before I get into it. No, one time. of the other updates you just reminded me was we also got our YouTube channel up. So there isn't much content on there, but soon to be, we'll post up some videos from, you know, clips either from the shows or possibly been kicking around the idea of putting some training topics up there. I've had a lot of Ooh. listeners reach out, ask I like for it. some more in-depth or more specific stuff and feel like that's going to be a pretty good forum. So maybe putting up some five, 10 minute short sales training videos specific to the freight industry. We'll be getting up there over the next couple of weeks. So take a look at that when you get a chance to. Awesome. Speaking of which, we have a great topic today and this is all about sales questions. What are you going to ask when you're on the phone or even sometimes in person when you're, when you're talking with somebody for the first time or the, those first few times when you're still kind of developing that rapport and figuring out who they are, do you have a need, do they have a need for your services, et cetera. So, you know, and, and I've talked through this in the past on the show and you and I have, have had many caveat conversations around this topic, but we just wanted to have a full encompassing show today about some really uh, good questions that you should be asking when you are on the phone or like I said, in person potentially with a uh, prospect of yours. So um, call them essential, call them recommendations, well, whatever you want. Remember, there's not one size fits all in this industry. Take these for what they're worth and figure out your own game plan. But these are some good ones that we've seen throughout the years. Is that about sum it up, Ben, about what we're going to talk about? I think that's good. Yeah. And, and I think you a great caveat. Like, this is a framework. It's a great list to take a look at. And the one thing before we even start to dig into this is please don't approach this as if it's a checklist or where like you jump on the phone and as soon as you get a decision maker on the phone, you start rattling off these questions. Yeah. It's not a script. <laughs> that, that's not going to get you there. That's not going to be well received, but it is a great framework for you to look at and to look at, you know, Hey, maybe not in your first call, maybe not all of these calls you're going to, or these questions you're going to get answered every time you speak to somebody, but it's a great list that you can go off of. So, I mean, everybody's had those follow-up calls where they're like, I don't really know what to talk about. And then they end up on the phone and it's just, hey, what do I need to do to get set up? I know we talked last week. Uh, you got that packet filled out? They're like, nope, haven't gone around to it. I'm busy. And you're like, okay, well, um, I guess I'll talk to you next week. And the process repeats itself over, over and, and over again, right? <laughs> So this is good. So, um, and I will say before you, you get to these questions, 
and we've discussed this before, I think you've got to do a lot of research on your own end, okay? That can be looking up the company online or if you know somebody that has delivered there before, picked up there before, talk to your carriers, get a little bit of intelligence on them. Just do your homework. Don't go in there blind. Don't have no idea um, anything at all about the company. Have yourself armed with, you know, curiosity, but also some information to, to get yourself started. So without further ado, I think we just kind of get into these questions. Yeah, start digging in. Number one we have, tell me about your business. What is this? And, and this isn't is necessarily a question, but there you can, you can frame it as a question, like, uh, you know, a variety of different ways, you know, what are some things about your business that are unique or, you know, what makes your business your business, right? Yep. And, and I would what have, is the reason that we do this? Why, why do yeah. we want to know? And to dovetail into what you just said, right? If you've done any research, right? And it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to dig into every company that you're going to be making a phone call for. You know, we talked about this before. Let's just say you're prospecting a region and you know something specific to that region or to that industry, right? So let's say you've grouped together Apple shippers. It's you're calling Washington. They're, you know, it's a big time to be calling them. You're going to call and know something about them or to their industry and say, hey, you know, I noticed everything's kind of picking up with Apple seasons. I know you guys do a lot of work with the distribution centers. Whatever that unique thing is that you found out, you want to lead with and then follow up with a question that is going to engage them, right? That's really the point of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. And it kind of rolls right into the, the second one, which is to figure out that person's specific role in their duty. So that could be, you know, are you the decision maker when it comes to tendering loads out? Um, what is your main responsibility? Um, you know, and, and a lot of times these probing questions will then open up and you'll see there's a, we got maybe 10 or so questions in here, but one of these questions might open up a conversation that answers five of them. So you might find out from um, the first question about, you know, what, what do you know, tell me about your business. You might find out, they might tell you their life story on their job, how they got into it, the trouble they're having and all that stuff. So, but I think it's, it's crucial. You want to know, like what you said, number one, find out about the business. And number two, what is that person specifically? What are their, what's their job? What are their main responsibilities? Um, and, and it leads... Go ahead. I was just going to say, and it's all valuable stuff, right? If they start talking about their personal or they start talking about their colleagues or just their day, right? This is all valuable information, right? Love that old adage. We have two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately, right? Statements aren't getting you any more information. You don't learn anything. Benjamin Kowalski proverb. <laughs> Got to fit them in there when we can, right? <laughs> but think about it. When we're using statements, are we learning anything? No, Right. And this person likely doesn't know you at all. You just established some rapport or you're in the process of it. People love to talk about themselves. People love to talk about what's going on with them. It's everybody's favorite topic. If you found a wall in the conversation, you're finding difficulty getting some momentum. This is a great one. Hey, you know, what are some of your roles over there? I just wanted to get a little insight on kind of what it's like on your end. What are some of the things you take care of? A number of ways to ask this question, all getting the person to start talking about what's important to them, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it, these all kind of roll together. So, so number three, which piggybacks again, is who else besides that person is going to have shipping responsibility? So um, it could be a traffic manager that has multiple folks that handle different departments, or there might be a procurement uh, rep that is in charge of setting up 
transportation providers. I mean, this will really help paint the picture. If you ask the question properly, it'll help paint the picture of how they're structured and what you have to navigate through and where you have to get approval from to get them as a customer. So that's a big one. And some of the other things with this question, right? Understanding not only who the decision maker is, but what they're the decision maker of, right? In transportation, it's not necessarily just one decision maker, right? There are a few things that need to happen. And we talk about this a lot is getting onboarded is one part of it, right? Getting set up as a carrier. So the, the, the vendor onboarding process. Exactly. That is a step in and of itself that is necessary for you to do business, right? But how many people and how many people out there right now listening have customers that they're set up with that they're not doing any business with, right? Yeah. You should realize that like a lot, not even half the battle, right? Like that's just the next gate to get to the next step, right? Because the next question is, okay, what are some of their needs and who, who is overseeing those? You mentioned structure, right? We want to understand what it's like to be on the other side. You can't be a valued partner or a valued consultant or valued anything if you don't understand what's going on on the other end and how these things are happening, right? Yeah. I've got a, I've got a real world situation for you. So I have a, um, I've got an agent that I'm working with right now that one of his customers uses a third party uh, company that does their, uh, their tendering, their mm-hmm. invoicing, uh, bidding on the spot market, like literally everything is done. So one of the big hurdles in uh, hoops to jump through to just to get him in with a relationship that he already has established is to get through this administrative process of, of getting him set up um, under our MC number for this customer's third-party website that they use. And then also training the billing staff and the accounting staff on how to properly invoice the customer through this site. So it's, you know, when you have these conversations, you'll start to really get a full spectrum, a 360 idea of, of what the transactional process looks like. And, you know, if you don't ask those questions and you run into the issue on the back end, it's going to be a worse headache than if you just got your ducks in a row ahead of time. So um, had to throw a little, a little true story in there because I think stories are easier to remember than, than just reading off uh, uh, questions here. So um, totally I'm sure you, you, probably, you probably dealt with that before yourself, especially dealing with government freight in the past or very large companies. It's going to be part of the process. There's many, many people and entities involved. Yep. And I remember, I mean, that's one of the stories that stands out to me the most is that some of the larger customers, and the only reason you see this more with larger customers is that they have more systematized procurement and onboarding processes, right? It's usually an entirely different department than the people you're going to need to build rapport with to actually do business. Like you would work with these and I, and I mean, I still know these people, but I'd work with them some 12, 13 months to get the onboarding, to get all this done, to get understanding, to go through some of these bids and still not be awarded any business yet. And then once that's happened, they went, okay, now you're gonna work with so-and-so. And then that person may or may not be the person that you even work with day to day because it depends on which region in the country you're working with, yep. what you're doing, whether it's spot versus asset. <clears throat> and understanding who is in these roles and what they do is just gonna make you more either valuable or useful or any resource whatsoever, right? Yeah, and this is, I think another, another area where this applies heavily is, um, if you're looking at the freight forwarding market where there's 
local branches, like whether it's an expediters or a DHL or an AIT or an Aries or you name it, there's a, there's a ton of forwarders out there. And a lot of them are, they're going to be located near an airport typically. Um, and a lot of them near the ports as well on the, on the coasts. Now they might bill individually and invoice individually and tender freight individually from their station. But to get you set up to start working their freight might have to go through corporate. I remember trying to get expediters set up about four or five years ago. And I had, I had like a rep that I was friends with in house and still could not get it done because there was this whole process to go through their Seattle or wherever in Washington state headquarters. And it was just an absolute mess. Um, and after like two years, we just gave up on it. We're like, there's, you know, more to be, more to be gained by focusing our efforts elsewhere until we could figure out this process. It was just That's a really good point, such too. a pain. And I completely forgot about how prevalent that is, was that, you know, you may be talking with somebody at a location, but there could be an, there's on a lot of times, there's an entirely different department in a different building with people that don't even necessarily interact with those people at that location. Right. Often. And you need to go through that barrier, that hoop, so to speak, before you can even start to do business with somebody that like you in your case, right? You know, like know this person, talk to him all the time. Yeah. You still can't we're, do we were friends. I mean, it was like legitimately, it was, it was, there was no reason that we shouldn't have been able to do it other than the fact that there was uh, corporate procedures that we could not figure out. Mm-hmm. So just to disconnect. All right. We, we, we've, gave, we've given a plenty of, plenty of examples on that one now. So make sure you understand who's in charge of what and all that good stuff because it can lead to headaches down the road. Um, next question. What are your biggest challenges right now for shipping. So um, the people might just think, oh, they probably have bad brokers. Well, that's a very novice or uh, I guess assumption. Yeah. Yeah, Good work. Um, What you might not realize is that they might have supplier issues. They might have um, internal supply chain coordination issues. They might have capacity issues. They might, I mean, there's a ton of stuff and it's not just, oh, we have unreliable brokers or carriers because you know, they probably have at least good enough. It's a lot of other stuff that you might not be aware of. So um, prying into this is going to be huge, I think. So think back to what I just said about how there's a third party controlling certain companies when it comes to tendering and all that. They, a lot of companies as well, will they'll hire third party companies to handle all of their transportation. So they'll mm-hmm. say that we're going to do your bid process for you annually. Um, and that might be one of their challenges is, well, out of this bid, we've, we're getting a rejection of like 15, 20%. So that's, a, that's our issue. Uh, what, what kind of issues have you seen? Obviously, capacity is going to be one, service. So there's some obvious ones. You know, the obvious ones I think are trucks not showing up on time. Trucks not showing up at all, right? The incorrect equipment showing up, right? Not knowing where your shipments are from point A to point B. Your shipment's not arriving at your customers on time. You know, those are kind of the obvious ones. I had a really great conversation with um, Ken Adam over at DAT. I think he's the head of analytics over there. And we were talking a little bit about what this question looks like as an industry right now. And everybody's aware that, you know, the economy is not exactly working down this predictable path right now. And one of the biggest things that they're seeing across the country is there's an inventory shortage everywhere. And where this is also really prevalent is in retail. Like in one of the customers in the examples we were talking about, he had seen like one of these locations was having five full truckloads show up every week and they weren't 
putting any of the inventory in the back room because there isn't enough of it. They're unloading it. Drop trailers are becoming more prevalent because they can't just unload them into the inventory. They're literally taking the product out of the trucks and stocking the store shelves. And they've got 100% sell-through on almost a 24 to 48-hour window. If you think about that, their trucks and the retail location is so dependent on trucks showing up on the schedule that if they were a day late, the shelves would not be full. Like there was literally yeah, think, a- if, think if they're half a day late. If they're supposed to get there in stock in the yeah. morning and they get there after the, you know, the Saturday daytime rush, like, yeah, that's huge. And you think, I mean, everybody kind of experienced one of these odd shortages or however you want to explain it, you know, during COVID, whether it was toilet paper, paper products. I mean, that was pretty prevalent. Sanitary but, wipes, everything, disinfectant wipes. Yeah. yeah. And that's happening right now. I mean, I coached one of the guys I work with is doing a massive amount of truckloads, just refilling Walgreens and CVSs with um, hand sanitizers. The demand's there, it's being pulled so quickly, and there's still such a lack in inventory that everything is shipping just in time. Yeah. And if you think about other contexts, that's where brokers thrive, right? That's where we do our best work. Like That's yep. our fit. Not in the predictability, trying to decide whether or not I want to take 30 loads every other week for the next you know, three months. I agree 100%. And, and I want to bring up the next question while we're on this topic, because they kind of tie in is, uh, number five are, is what are the priorities that they look at in moving their freight? And like you just said, if if it comes down to it's got to be there on time, like you talked about your triangle, right? Your speed, your quality, and your price, and you get to pick two of the three. Yeah. Well, in times like whether it's expedite freight or in times where there's a surge in demand and you're dealing with shortages on shelves in the stores, there's going to be a price, uh, I guess, surge because the demand is there and it's got to get there and you're going to pay to get, it has to get there on time. You know, you can't be late. It can't be damaged. It's got to be quality, you know, a quality carrier. Um, but they'll pay the premium to make sure those shelves get stocked because think about it. You're whatever it costs you for that truckload to get shipped. If it's not there, it can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in retail sales. And that is way worse than, you know, spend an extra 500 bucks to get a truck there. I think that's a really overlooked thing in our industry. And this comes up a lot on my coaching calls and a lot of the conversations I have with people that are looking, you know, how do I evaluate? How do I determine whether or not it's a good fit to work with this shipper? And when you think about it, right, like from its most simplest standpoint, the person you're talking to is selling goods, products, right, to another company. They have a customer, right? That customer is looking at the people that you're talking to as that's their supply, right? So yeah, when you're talking to somebody, and yes, everybody always says, what's the most important thing? What do you think the number one answer is, Nate? Price, but it's oh, BS. It's, it's rate, yeah, you know, they're not gonna pay anymore. But the reality is, is if you kind of really, you know, zoom out, look at it from the 10,000 foot view down here, and realize that that product, they're telling you the most important thing is, is what it costs to ship it, Ask them what happens if their customer maybe doesn't get that shipment today. What if it's a day late? What if it's two days late? Or what if you maybe ask, ask the question, make them choose like, hey, you know what? What if I, I can get you this lower rate, but it's going to be a day later versus the higher rate a day earlier? Which would you choose? And let them make that decision. That's a really good scenario to present to them you'd be surprised at how many will choose the more expensive option to get there sooner 
because that's a service issue with their customer. That company likely has sales reps or business development people that are putting their word on when that is going to arrive at the people they've committed to. And you think they, they want to save face? That's, that's the value you add. But of course, the person you're speaking to is being evaluated on how much money they spend. So the first thing they're going to tell you, because they don't ever want to have to deal with this later, is rate, rate, rate. But the reality is, is it's almost never price. Unless yeah. you're doing routing guides and you're talking assets and we're in a different conversation. Agreed. I'm with you, man. That's, uh, I, I, I still like that scenario, the pick one or the other. That's, that's good. I've never My favorite one, before we moved past that, was like I would go with you either get a rate or you get a date, but you never get both. If you're going to pick <laughs> the date, I'm going to tell you when I get it there. If you're going to tell me when it needs picked up and when it needs to get there, I'll get you the most qualified truck that'll meet those requirements. I'll keep it within a reasonable rate, but I need the, the ability and the flexibility to find the right fit for that job, and I'll tell you what it costs after. If we've yeah. got enough trust, that's what you're picking. If you, want, if you want the rate, then, hey, I'll get you the cheapest truck to pick up whenever they can, and they'll get there whenever they can, and you shouldn't exactly. expect any more. It's <laughs> a good point. All right, moving on here. Um, so I'm going to loop these two together, number six and seven. It's, it's what are the qualities you look for in your transportation providers, and also what do you like most about your current broker or transportation provider? And then really number eight as well, what would you change about it? So let's look at these three in a row. You can kind of piece this together as one discussion, but what are you looking for? What do you like right now? And what would you change? Um, and I think this is important because if you, at least in my opinion, like when, when it's come to working with freight agents and, you know, instead of a freight broker to a shipper, it's a freight, a freight agent talking about their current company versus working with me. Um, I'll, you know, and we'll talk about what made them decide to reach out to me if they reached out to me or, you know, what made them decide to consider looking at a new company and they'll go through a list of their pain points. And I think this is huge because you have to understand where they're coming from. What is that motivation and driving force behind them deciding to consider a new option or a new opportunity? So pain points can, you know, in the brokerage world, if you're looking at a, a prospect could be, um, at a, you know, some 20 year old kid who's got two months in the industry, lost a shipment or got there two days late. Yeah. Or on the flip side, hey, I've been working with this other guy, Joe Schmo here for 10 years. The guy's amazing. We've only had like two claims. Um, so we talk about the good, the bad, and then you get that conversation in there about what's important. And like we said before, is it price? Is it time? Is it, you know, this, that, the other thing? What are your thoughts? I think the number one thing here, and I love the way this is framed too in these three questions, and that's kind of the way I would go through this in a conversation is, hey, you know, what are, what are you guys kind of looking for and tell me, and then I'm going to pivot right into tell me what's going well. What do you like about the people you're working with? And hey, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing, what would that be? You can conversationally definitely kind of group these together, and I, I love that. I think the big overlooked aspect that nobody really talks about is, I think communication is probably the most important in this industry. And I yep. think that's probably the one area that people neglect the most out of fear. What was it that you brought up earlier where we were talking about like bad news? What was that? Um, bad news gets worse with time. Exactly, right? <laughs> and, and shippers know that because when you think about it, what it's like from their, their side, and, and tons of brokers have made a mistake or a truck wasn't honest or 
you know, didn't tell them exactly how far they were from pickup. And they've got to go back to the shipper and say, hey, you know, that guy that was supposed to be there by three. Well, if your cutoff's at three, we're probably gonna have to load tomorrow morning. And nobody wants to make that phone call, right? Especially when you've been constantly communicating all day that you're on top of this and that truck's going to be there to pick up, right? Well, if you know that at noon and it's not likely your guy's going to be there, don't wait until three. If you tell your or your customer this at two, now they can look at other options and probably still get this off their dock, which means that even if you weren't the one that saved the day, they're going to know you were the one that had the integrity and the character to step up when you needed to, to tell them and to be honest up front, right? And I think that's a big overlooked one. Everybody's looking for communication in regards to what's going on and visibility there. I think that's a big one. What yeah. What I, um, well, I think the second biggest pain point. Second, or maybe what you feel is the first thing that anybody looks for in their transportation partners. Oh, uh, I'm going to say, well, if you look at the asset side, I'm going to say tender rejection, but I don't think that's a, a top one. So if you're going to say communication, I'm just going to say overall service regardless. So um, I think communication encompasses a lot of it, but this can come down to, I, where were you for the last three days? I couldn't get an update on where this truck was. Um, and you know, I, I think it all comes down to just having integrity and being available. So I would say integrity and communication are probably your top two and you know, not hiding bad news because you're trying to fix it before you alert them that, that there is a problem. Um, I think that's pretty much it. The rest of it is, uh, you know, stuff that's going to happen either way, like bad weather or a truck breaks down or whatever. That, that stuff, and shippers understand that that stuff happens. It's how do you handle that situation as their hired broker to do it? Are you going to say like, oh yeah, there's a nasty snowstorm, but don't worry. I heard Buffalo, New York's actually not that bad in January and February. Like, no, like yeah. do, do your job at pr present bad news in the best possible way. If you could figure out how to be, you know, put a positive spin on it. Well, most of them are. And I mean, and I truly believe this is that if you, if you do look at every problem or however you want to define it as an issue or circumstance or whatever your language is for it, is that there's an opportunity somewhere in there. Because most of these things are the same things that are affecting everybody, including your competition. But if you find a way to turn that into something positive, you know, that's a way to stand out against your competition. And I think that's what they're looking for. I mean, when you look at the, the life cycle of working with a customer from, I don't know them at all. They become a prospect. They become a customer. Now we're, we're a valued partner in working with them, right? What really changes is just the amount of information you have about them and your ability to also kind of predict their problems, maybe even a little bit better than they do in some cases because you're so used to their operations. Yeah. That's when rate also becomes a lot less relevant. Once they trust you and you guys know each other and how you operate, that's when you really get that mesh and there's not as much focus on the rates and the prices. I agree. And I think, um, and as you can tell, you and I do this often in, in the show is if you can tell relatable stories, I think it'll, it'll cast your, it, it'll really, it just kind of helps describe who you are and what you're doing and what you're looking to do a lot better than just trying to read off bullet points and ask specific questions, tell stories, give examples of how something, a, a similar customer, either that you helped or someone that you know helped, and, you know, talk through that and explain. And when they hear that, they might be like, that sounds a lot like us, you know, you know, and it just, it, it makes it a lot more relatable. So yep. and I know, you, know you hit on that last week on the episode. Speaking of, it reminds me of 
a, a story of how I ended up with my first large customer. They were a, a flatbed carrier out of, out of Memphis area. Pretty big, pretty big carrier. I think two, 300 units somewhere in there. Um, and they were having really difficult times securing capacity in Texas, Louisiana, and the regions they ran. And the, it, the specific issue was- they Wait, this is a trucking company or a shipper? A trucking company that was my first large customer. How, how are they your customer? Well, was it a co-brokerage or what yeah, was it? Co-brokered. I helped support their operations. Oh, okay, I got their you. Brokerage, yeah, their brokerage wasn't big enough to support, honestly, some of the business they were taking as they were growing. So I, I got provided you. that additional capacity. But so what, what I found was as I got to know them, and Rick, if you're listening to this, um, I, I still talk to him occasionally, but I, I got to understand that their real problem was that, yeah, they needed more capacity. But the specific problem they were having was it was getting capacity that had the right equipment. And to ship pipe, what you need are pipe stakes. And the people they were using, the other brokers, were not doing a good job or weren't very effective at making sure the trucks they were sending in had the right length and the right number of pipe stakes, right? And that area was also notorious for having flatbeds that didn't have pipe stakes because there weren't a lot of pipe companies in there. So most companies didn't have them anyway. So when demand spiked in a day, they're like, well, how do we get capacity and make yeah. sure they can load the pipe, right? Are those those things on the side of the flatbed that almost like they're like a boundary so it doesn't slide off the left or That's right exactly side? That's exactly all it is. It yeah. like a, it looks like a, a piece stake of rebar that holds pipes. That goes in the, yeah, it goes in the holes on the side of the flatbeds, right? Yeah. So here I'm sitting there looking at this, and it took me. It wasn't like a light bulb moment, but over a couple of days, I think maybe a week or two, I'm looking at like how do I fix this? Like how do I get more capacity? How do I find more of these people with pipe stakes? So I did some research, like, what is a pipe stake? What are they made out of? How would you order them, right? And I had found that, like, they're pretty straightforward. It's basically a piece of rebar that just sits in that hole on the side yep. of the flatbed, right? So I called around by the shipper, and I found a couple metal workers, and I said, hey, I called some, like, fabrication shops, and I said, hey, out of curiosity, what would it cost to make, I think you needed eight of them for a flatbed. I gave them the dimensions. I said, this is what they need to look like. I said, if you guys welded some rebar, and kept them on stock, how much would it cost you to make them? And how much would it be worth your time to sell these? He's like, well, why would I sell these? It's a super weird question. I said, well, you know, I have a shipper literally down the street and I need to send in about five trucks a day, which means I need on average three trucks don't have it to do. I need about 40 of these every day or whatever that number was, right? And the guy's like, oh, it probably runs me, you know, two bucks each. If I sold them for five bucks, that'd be great. You know, ideally I'd like to get six. Went back to the shipper, went back to the customer and said, hey, I can get you last minute capacity. I got to tack on an extra $125 margin for these because I'm going to literally supply the pipe stakes to these trucks once I find them. And then they're going to pick them up at the fabricator, bounce over to the shipper, and then they'll be loaded and they'll have everything you need. So it was just another way of looking at something super obvious, but that got me five loads a day per week for like the next six months. I mean, that took me from you know, a few loads to a real book of business without yeah. one small, unique way to look at that same problem. I like it. Problem solving, logistician at, at its finest. I, I think uh, there's a definitely a value in, in being able to share stories and experiences because it really does help paint that picture. So good stuff. All right. Um, these next two, I'm going to group together here. This is um, basically qualifying if they're adding new brokers. So the question would be, you know, are you, do you currently add new brokers or do you keep your options open for adding transportation providers, right? So figure out if they're adding anybody and how that works. And then the next question is, what's the criteria? What, what 
what requirements do you have to meet to be eligible to hop on with them? So are they adding brokers and what do you have to be to qualify as a new one? So uh, this is, this is a huge and this is important. And I think that um, by talking with colleagues in the industry, you can start to know the big companies that tend to have this red tape of, oh, we're only going to use, you know, these top 15 or 20 brokers right now. We're not adding any new ones for the rest of the year. Try to know this beforehand because if you have an hour long conversation and then you come to find out like they're not even adding anybody on right now. And don't forget, there's always an exception. We talked about this in the past. It's an objection. Um, yep. But if, if your time is well spent elsewhere, you know, you just got to think about where you're going to spend your time. So th- these are, these are big ones. Have you ran into this before, Ben? Absolutely. I mean, I think everybody has. And I think the big important part is one, and the way I look at this, everyone goes, well, how do I know if I'm far enough along to believe what they tell me? Right. Because it's also, it's one of the more common blowoffs. We're not adding any carriers. We're good right now. I appreciate your time. Right. If you're getting that in the first few moments of a call, it's a blow off. Like I wouldn't lend too much credence to that or just not, there's a, there's some other reason it could be that they're busy. It's just a bad time of day to get a hold of them. They just want to get you off the phone. Right. But if you've established, and this is kind of the way I see this is like this pivotal moment. If you've gotten over the point where you've got enough rapport that you can tell that they're sharing some pertinent things and they're pretty open with talking about what's going on and everybody, I mean, it's really just kind of a feeling when you kind of feel that if they're now candidly saying, Hey, look, we only do this in January. That's great. Now you want to keep that in your notes because, Hey, you're going to follow them closer to it, but you want to ask exactly what you said, Nate, like the follow-up criteria, like, Hey, I really appreciate that. Let me ask you this. What are some of the criteria you use to evaluate it? And what are the procedures for the evaluation? Because if this happens in January, you can be assured they don't start it in January. <laughs> so don't put a yeah. follow-up call for January 15th when they say they, their bids go out because I promise you that whole list of everyone that's participating has already been decided and you're not going to be having a seat at that party. Yeah, there's. Um, I think most companies tend to have some kind of a shipper packet that's going to lay out criteria. They want to see... Um, usually at a minimum insurance requirements, they're going to want to see, um, you know, can you do, can you list me as an additional insured? Um, do you have assets? A lot of times they might require that, Mm -hmm. um, years in business, or I guess how long your authority has been active. Um, you know, there's a lot of different criteria that might go into, um, I, uh, I think this this question is is usually a lot easier to figure out than than some of the other ones. I think it's as simple as, hey, do you guys have a uh, a shipper packet or a, a broker packet or a carrier packet? Um, it's going to usually list the requirements because I don't know. I, I think these are these are more administrative tasks, but you know, Agreed. some of the stuff in there you got to make sure you're paying attention to. Here's also the big caveat, right? If the need that they have is great enough the relevance of this goes down or completely disappears, right? Like I have turned customers that needed a load picked up so bad that I called that day and they're like, I'm just really glad you called. Somebody just dropped the ball. I need this load out. Can you move this? Right. We would use load waivers, right? Hey, I can't get onboarded right now. Send this load waiver over, wave this. I'll get this load moved and then we'll get it set up. If the urgency is that high, this becomes less and less important which just leads you back to, hey, when we talked about some of these earlier questions, find that real need, find that, and that's really what you want to leverage. Yeah, I think um, the questions about 
adding new folks and the criteria, that's more pertinent and um, it's a bigger focus if you're looking at like a quarterly or annual bid process when you're, when you're like, hey, I know I want to hop in on this next, next, this next bid cycle because I've got some really good quality carriers that I got relationships with that I think would fit these lanes. That's when you want to find out what does it take to get set up to do this bid. A lot of these bids are done online now. Um, bids is a whole entirely different conversation that I don't want to get into right now. But um, yeah, another I think topic. you're right. What's another that? Episode. Another topic, <laughs> another episode, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, like getting that, that the waiver, it's less and less relevant as their stress and their pain goes up for just getting the shipment moved. So yep. good stuff, but it, you know, it's good stuff to be aware of. Um, all right. Next is how do you measure success with your current brokers or carriers for that matter? We want to know how they're being rated. Is there a, a carrier scorecard or broker scorecard or, you know, claims percentage or on-time delivery? What are they looking at? Um, and again, a lot of this stuff, you're going to sound like a robot if you ask it specifically in this order. Just bring this kind of stuff up in conversation. You want to know, like we talked about the pain points. Well, how are they, you know, what are they doing and how are they measuring this stuff? So, for example, um, do they look at total claims per month or per year? And do, do they look at the average rate, how much has gone up or down? So, yeah, this is good stuff. And on-time percentages. I mean, yeah. there's there's a plethora of information and kind of everyone evaluates a little different, but you should want to know that, right? You want to know yep. how you're going to stack up, what your strong suits are, and also know if they're glaring holes in their existing carrier base, right? And their yep. partners who they work with. Absolutely. I mean, it's like anything. If you like think back to college days, if you were doing a project or writing a paper, you want to know what the grading criteria is so you can make sure you're hitting all the right points to make sure that you're meeting the intent of the assignment. So, uh, it's kind of the same way, just in the, you know, the big person world here. So um, I always like to ask too, as a caveat to this is, Hey, I mean, do you have a, do you have like a baseline or a mark where you drop carriers and ask them how often that actually happens? That's a good one. I do like that. So it's almost like the opposite of getting your gold star for having that, like for being good student that day. It's like, you got detention, man. Right. There's attrition, got sent I mean, home. whether it's a claim or whatever it is. I mean, somebody might say, hey, yeah, if you have two claims, we drop you. Um, if your on-time percentage falls below 97 or 95, like we're not going to use you or you go into a timeout period. Yeah. And, Here, and here's, a, here's another example too, is if the customer is having issues getting invoiced on time or properly, because you got to think a big operation, I, and I've seen this when it's project-based. So you might have, like, here's an example customer moves, uh, it's, you know, 10 truckloads worth of material or product, but it's all under one project and they want to be invoiced all at once, once all 10 are complete. Now the broker's probably thinking, well, I'm going to invoice each one as it comes through because the carrier's got to get paid. And it's like, well, no, part of working with that customer is you've got to play by their rules and you've, you've got to go with the terms that they have in place. So if they want you to invoice all 10 at the same time, you better make sure you're doing it that way. Cause if you don't, somebody else will. And that's a great point. And I kind of thought, and I had saved that for later in my head mentally, I kind of bookmarked that, but like I flipped and have seen and people I've worked with have flipped customers that the only reason the shipper didn't want to use who they currently were and were willing to take on the new, the new broker was because, the last ones didn't invoice them correctly. 
They weren't happy with the accounting procedures. It was causing a problem with them. Yeah. It was creating a bottleneck. They weren't happy with it. They said, hey, if you guys can invoice us this way, the current one won't. We'd be more than happy to start using you guys. Yeah. I know people that have picked up, you know, multi-million dollar accounts just because they had better invoicing processes. Don't yep. assume you know what their problem is. Ask the question and then act. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that goes even beyond. So invoicing is one of them. I've seen uh, tech, some kind of technology related issues being involved. So um, their GPS tracking sucked and didn't, didn't work very well. Or um, we weren't getting updates with uh, product barcode numbers or, you know, serial numbers of, a, of equipment pieces when they're picked up. You know, we're not getting the check call updates. And, you know, does that other broker that they're having these issues with, do they even have the means of doing this properly? Or is a person just incompetent and not using their own tools correctly? That's where you can come in and be, first of all, smarter and a better problem solver. But number two, if your brokerage has good technology and software to be able to assist you, you know, it's going to make you that much better. And back to the invoicing part, does your customer have an online customer facing portal that they can go view invoices, invoice statuses, uh, and things of that nature. Because I've seen customers that love that and some that just, they just don't really care. So, yep. but it's it's worth the conversation. Good stuff. All right. We got a couple left here. Number 12. Um, what lanes are you shipping is number 12. And number 13 is what is your email address? Now, I will tell you that I don't like, I don't like that what's your email is the last question on there. I'm going to change that. And that's going to be uh, establishing some sort of a follow-up method. Um but let's talk about what lanes they're shipping. Um, I would not ask it in this specific way. And I think a lot of this will come up in conversation, like we've mentioned, but you're going to want to consider what time of the year is it? Do they have seasonal fluctuations? Um, maybe you do some research first and try to figure out what lanes they're shipping. Um, what are your this. thoughts on this question? I'm going to ask you this. I mean, think about it. If you phrase that question and said, what lanes am I shipping right now? The last thing he really want is all of their lanes for anybody, right? Yep. I was watching, I think it was the CEO of Convoy on something last week was talking about, he's like, even companies of our size, we don't want to work with everybody in every region. We don't have trucks in every place. Like in trucking and the way the whole market is set up is that nobody wants to work with everybody. Nobody has the ability to, nobody has that type of capacity. That's why it's so segmented. And we talk about this, right? So yep. knowing what lanes somebody's shipping isn't really going to help you as a broker. Knowing what lanes they need help with is a much different question and yep. will give you a much better answer in regards to you determining whether or not you guys are a fit to work together, right? Yeah. I think, I think you had the nail on the head right there. So that, yeah, I mean, point blank, don't ask it the way that it, that it was it was listed there originally. But yeah, so what lanes are you having issues with? And here's what I always think is funny. And I want your opinion on this. What is your What are your thoughts on the stereotypical broker saying, hey, I've got trucks in the area. What lanes do you have open right now? What are your thoughts on that? So, I, it's a... It's not a bad way. It's not bad depending on how you see it. It's it's so blatantly (laughs) used against everything because it's so obvious that like, there's no way you have trucks everywhere that I have a problem. Or then they make the argument that, well, I do have trucks there. I just haven't found them yet. Look, I get it. And I get the play on words back and forth on how that's ethical or unethical. Right. But the reality is, is if you did a good enough job of saying, Hey, you know, what kind of lanes are going well for you guys? I always start with that. I never start with asking them what a problem is. So I'm going to go, Hey, 
what lanes have been going well for you guys and, and what lanes maybe not so much? I don't want it to seem super obvious that I'm looking for an issue, right? Because that comes across very salesy. So I start with where they've been shipping and then where they're having issues. Now, if we're talking about them having issues in a region, like, hey, California's by the, the ports right now, Long Beach is really tight, and they're like, hey, that's where I'm having issues, then I might follow up and go, hey, I do have some carriers out there, and I do have some empty trucks in that area. Are you looking to get some stuff out today, or is that just an area that it has been an issue for you consistently over the past couple of days or weeks, or whatever, right? I'm narrowing and narrowing and narrowing down with my questions to find a specific thing that then I can apply that against, right? Because now I'm really using that as a trial close because yep. if they do have an issue and they go, well, to be honest, I got two loads that didn't get picked up this morning. Do you really have a truck there? Absolutely. Is there any reason why we can't get working on that load right now? Nope. Send me the details. I'll get working on that. I'm going to go right for the close right there. There you go. And I like it, but not, not every single situation is going to happen that way, which is why the last question on here is going to be about setting a follow-up. So um, there's a sales stat out there like, the majority of closes happen like between conversation seven and 12. I think it's nine to 12 and the average salesperson follows up between two and three times. Yep. Which means that the average salesperson is not meeting that criteria. So that's why I think the, the, the money is in the follow-up and Hey, you're not going to probably not going to get through all these questions or all these topics in one conversation. This is about building rapport. Um, So I think, I would highly recommend set an expectation at a minimum for what's okay and acceptable for you to follow up or best case scenario set like, Hey, I'm going to call you in one month or whatever and actually set the date and make sure that the guy or girl is going to be in the office that day. But, um, you know, find out what is acceptable. Hey, based on what we said, it sounds like maybe we should chat again in a couple of weeks or, um, next quarter or whatever the case is. What are your yep. thoughts? I think the follow-up is, is crucial though. It is absolutely probably the most important thing on this list. Not probably is the most important. Without it, you're not going to do business. You're not going to close anybody. You're never going to, you're never going to get to where you want to go. What I'm looking for in all of my other questions is I am ending every call with this. I want to know going into a call, what is my next step that I want to get to? And I want to close for that next step. I don't want to close necessarily from first phone call to asking for loads, but I want to know my next step. So a lot of times, if I can feel that they're getting rushed or something's happening on their end and I know they're going to have to go soon, I don't wait for them to tell me I'm going to get there first and say, hey, you know what? I've got to get running. I've got to take care of some other stuff. Hey, based on what we've said today and what we've talked about, it seems like it, it probably makes sense for us to talk a little bit more. I'm probably going to say something like pushing back and go, hey, you know what? I'm not still certain if we're a good fit to work together, but I think it's worth another phone call. Would you be open to jumping on a call maybe next Thursday, say 10 a.m. or whatever that is, so I can maybe check back on how this lane's gone or whether or not you guys have resolved this, right? If I found a need in there, I'm going to use that as a reason to kind of follow up and then take it from there. I'll bail before they bail on me to give them a reason to want to talk to me again. Kind of want to put them in your shoes, right? Yeah. Get inside the psyche. I like it. All right, let's get a recap here. Here's the, these are the, the questions, the recommendations, right? This is not a checklist that you want to go through and hit all, but these are the recommend recommended topics that we think that you should be asking about or bring it up in conversation. You want to know number one, 
Find out about the business. Number two, find out about that person's responsibilities. Three, who else is making decisions besides them? Four, biggest challenges right now in shipping. Five, main priorities in shipping freight. Six, what qualities they look for in a broker. Seven, what do they like about their current providers? Eight, what do they not like about current providers or what would they want to change? Nine, are they adding new brokers? 10, criteria that you have to meet to be added as a new broker. 11, broker scorecard or carrier scorecard. How are they getting rated? 12, what lanes are they having trouble with right now? And 13, follow up. I didn't skip a number, did I? No. I got the iPad next to me and sensory overload can kick in sometimes, but that, that's it. What, what I would think, um, and I challenge anybody listening, I submit to you, what is a question that we did not list today that you think is crucial to that sales cycle? Let us know. Leave us a comment on the website or leave us a review on Google or Stitcher or iTunes, you name it. Email us whatever you want to do. We'll love the feedback. And the new website again is www.freight360.net. Not.com.net. .net. We're working on getting the .com as well, but we are at 360.net for the time being. .net. Hey, I have no problem with it. I feel like if you look at a lot of the websites out there now, they don't all end in .com. So yeah. I do think .net historically had kind of a weird like uh, like back in the day. Yeah. It's almost like all the, you couldn't afford to be a .com, so you're .net. Mm -hmm. Where in our case, it's like, we want a .com, but what is it? It was not available to, to buy for like another 40 days or something strange. Yeah, I'm on the, we're in the way. got to play by the rules, man. Uh, exactly. So, but yeah, we got the uh, Freight 360, first episode, first topic under the new brand. We got a few Q&A questions I want to hit on before we wrap up here. Um, so these two came from Reddit. Obviously, it's like my new favorite. And here's the two questions. It's uh, what are some tips for lead generation? And then the other question was, what is an average margin percentage? Um, so tips for lead generation. I get this question a lot and we've both gotten it a lot. This is typically someone that's newer or struggling to get customers. And I do want to say for anyone that asks the question about how to, how to improve their lead gen, I applaud you for identifying an issue that you're having because a lot of people won't do that and they'll just sit there and be stagnant. And when they lose that one customer that they, that they have, they're screwed. So I think that when my biggest recommendation on lead gen is find out what other people are doing and succeeding with, learn from them and find your own way to do that. So like Ben, you're a coach. Um, so getting coaching is one option, but you probably see different, clients of yours that struggle in different areas, correct? And that's absolutely the case. I mean, it depends on where you're at tenure, what you're doing and, and what that identifying what that issue actually is. That is what I do on a daily basis. I mean, if that's something you want to talk about, you know, definitely reach out to myself. I mean, there are a lot of different resources. You've got to start. I think Google is an overlooked one. Yep. It depends on how you're using Google though, right? Like drill down to maybe look for different commodities, look for Look within specific industries. A just quick top 100 Apple shippers, if you wanted to ship apples, is always a great place to start and look at some of the associations. You can pick. Do we have the produce calendar up there that we were putting together yet? Um, we didn't post it. We have it done, though. So yes. 
we'll, we'll, uh, we'll yeah, we'll get it. Um, we'll probably have to have it like hosted somewhere online and just, set, just put a link up in the show notes for it. But it's done. It's good. Well, yeah, we, can get we try to we try to keep it simple with a one pager. Yeah. Um. So I think other tips too is uh check out our other episodes that talk about lead generation tips. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've got we went through a whole bunch of creative yeah. ways to do it. Google Alerts, Chamber of Commerce, Reference um, USA, your local library. Oh yeah, I think that's my favorite. Is that we the idea of a local library actually came up because it's it's real man, good stuff. Yeah. Um. So that's lead gen. Um. I think the harder part for most people is not identifying their leads. It's how to actually prospect. So, um, and that is a learned process. You're going to learn by trial and error, what works, what doesn't work, but well, that's the whole thing. Got to have leads to prospect them. And that's the whole thing. Like everybody goes, well, it's hard. And my, my favorite, my favorite saying about that is look, anything that you do now that's easy at one point in time in your life was hard, right? Realize that that hard feeling is temporary. If you can continue at it, it will eventually become easier, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like my son who is almost six months old and he still struggles to sleep through the night. So I sleep like a baby. Ironically, <laughs> the adult, he's the baby, but yeah. uh, good stuff. All right. Next question. What is the average margin? Um, depends. This is a vague question. We've talked about this before. I'm going to, you know, quick answer up front. I'm going to say 15% is going to be a good baseline, but what kind of freight are you working with? Are you asset-based? Are you brokering it out? Are you co-brokering it out? Um, I mean, the list goes on. Is it a hot load? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, across the board, with a lot of people that I've been talking to is, I mean, right now, assets and brokerages are in the low single digits. That doesn't mean if you're there, that's okay. Because wait a second, like four or five percent, yeah, with the capacity, they were getting hit on both sides. Like, I haven't seen that on my end, yeah, misquoting it. And then when they're going to cover it, paying more, so they're getting hit twice in a lot of instances. Um, wow, so definitely got skinny through the past month or six weeks or so, yeah. Um, so DAT quarterly releases a bunch of stats, one of them which is the um, the, the margin that they have access to based on the data they have access to. And I think usually it's it usually hovers between like 15 to 20 and a good, you know, good cycle. I think like 16, 17, you'll mm-hmm. see, um, then it'll dip down when capacity is tight. Um, I'll just, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. The people that were doing 11, 12% margin across the board before capacity tightened up are still doing 11, 12% margin across the board. Now, People that were doing 20% plus before are still doing it now. And the reason that 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 is, is a lot of people I work with, they have very methodical processes and they have carriers that they use so regularly and customers that they have such good relationships with that they can work the fluctuation and make sure that they're not hurting. So their customers still getting uh, good service. They're still earning a a fair commission and their carrier is still getting a fair rate. Yep. And, and when that, that fluctuates up and down, that's what makes you a good broker if you can accomplish that. I'll be honest. I mean, I remember going into the ELDs, like my margins were high 20s. I think coming out of it, I had seen some of them in the 30s with some customers, some of them in the low 40s, like mine went up. But they went up because if you think about it, the problem got bigger to finding trucks was more difficult. They should be paying you for the increased effort, right? It yeah. shouldn't shrink. 
but it's only shrinking because people are bowing to the price because they're too scared to have that difficult conversation with their shipper and they're too terrified to push back on some of the trucks. So they end up just watching their margins shrink and shrink until they're non-existent. And then they have to just reject the lanes, which we're also seeing more and more of. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is none, in my opinion, there's nothing honorable about you cutting your own commission check to keep a customer happy no. when at the end of the day, you're going to put yourself out of a job and then you're making your customer think that this is how the market is right now. Yeah. And you're, you're doing everyone a disservice. Everybody. Cause then the shipper's going to talk to the next person to go, well, you know, ABC, they were, they were doing this for a thousand and you're, you know, 1700 and pay truck is at 1600. And you're like, well, I mean, if they were doing it for a thousand, like, that's probably why they're not working with you anymore. And probably why they're not working with anybody anymore because yeah. you can't maintain business if you're losing money with everything you touch. Yep. I, uh, a guy I talked with the other day actually brought this up. So um, he's got a really good rapport with his customer, this specific customer where if he needs more money, he can ask for it. And he also has a lot of repeat carriers where he doesn't typically have to post on the boards. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I looked at picking up an extra lane and when I went to the guy and asked, you know, what price range it was getting bid at by other uh, brokers, I think the guy came back and said like, oh, it's, you know, they're bidding $1,000 on this lane. And he's like, Nate, he goes, my repeat carriers that I use that will take this cheap, like they are, it's going to cost me 1100 bucks to get them. Well, that's with no margin. And it goes, he goes, someone somewhere had to have misquoted. There's no way because normally he said they um, like on average that lane would go for like 1800 bucks and someone's yeah. quoting it at a thousand. It's like, wh- in what world did you just shave $800 off of a rate? Yeah. And that's you're losing money. Was, yeah. And it could be that, I mean, Hey, maybe the, who this guy was using was just a guy that needed that backhaul, needed it that load, needed it that day and needed to get home that week. And it was just the perfect fit for the perfect. I mean, those things happen. They're not, they're not the rule. I mean, they're obviously the exception. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely has an effect and it doesn't help anybody when anybody's just taking it in the chin and acting like, Oh, well, I'll just go get some margin later. That's not really how it works. Right. Oh, interesting. Good questions. Those are, uh, you know, the, the, the margin and lead gen, this is, this is good stuff for, for anybody. Cause I don't care. Like I've said, I don't care if you've been broken 20 years or for 20 minutes, lead gen is, always going to be important for you and margin is important on every single load. So good stuff. Any, any final thoughts? Um, I'm looking forward to the future. I I think, uh, you know, once I get my, uh, I've had a little technical difficulties today with the, with the camera. Otherwise I was hoping to get some of these uh, on YouTube for the listeners and start to get some educational content put up there. But um, my final thoughts are, as far as topics, we've got a, a ton of upcoming good topics and a lot of good um, folks that are looking to come on the show and talk with us. Um, but that being said, let us know what you want to hear. A lot of you have been doing a great job sending messages on uh, LinkedIn and emailing, letting us know what you want us to talk about. Appreciate it. Keep that up. Um, and further beyond that, my Buffalo Bills are going to be 4-0 after this weekend. Just throwing it out there. We will see. Time will tell. What do you and think, Ben? What are your final? What are your final thoughts today? Yes, I didn't necessarily had any. My mind kind of went blank as I was asking you that question. I was, I pitched it over to you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think honestly, and, and I think what you said was 
pretty much where I was going to go with that is that I, I think some people have some hesitancy sometimes to like reach out or like to think that like one of the reasons we do this is to help the people out there. We enjoy doing it. So anytime we have somebody reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to hear more about this. It does help us. It helps us understand what kind of you guys on the other end are hearing as well. We try to pull topics from, you know, what we do on a daily basis because they should be indicative of what everybody's, you know, experiencing, but who knows from time to time. So yeah. Looking forward I, to doing I, it. I'd like to offer uh, anyone that's out there that's a broker who wants to come on and tell their story about how they got into, into brokerage. We're open to all kinds of discussions and, you know, anything that's this good, good conversation for the community. So. Yeah, we're looking to do some company spotlights, possibly coming up soon. I know we're going to be bringing on some sponsors. So if that's something you guys have considered at your company and you're looking for some exposure, feel free to reach out to us about that. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. Good talk. Good episode. Until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles or content that we referenced on today's episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or at, again, www.freight360.net.